What's up to all the cinephiles out there? Welcome to another episode of the Marquee Spotlight, coming to you from the always sunny Portland, Oregon. I am your host, Spencer Bailey, and I'm doing the first ever solo pod episode of the Marquee Spotlight. Uh, Chelsea's still out for a little bit longer. I promise she is coming back, but I did watch the Oscars last night, and I wanted to make sure I got an episode out recapping that. Worked really hard to watch like all the movies from 2021, just about. And uh, I always look forward to the Oscars and what an Oscars it was. Uh, so I just want to get into it. And of course, I'm just going to go ahead and start off with the big controversial moment. Will Smith hitting Chris Rock on stage. It, when it happened, I was so confused. Um Lacey, my girlfriend, was in the living room with me. She was she was working on a project, so not looking at the TV. And Chris Rock made the joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, and it cut to her. And you could see pretty quickly that she wasn't just, like, annoyed with that joke. She was disgusted and appalled and really bothered by it. Um, the camera cuts back to Chris Rock, and he kind of makes a uh-oh sound. Next thing you know, Will Smith is on stage walking towards him, and I just assumed, I didn't think it was scripted, but I assumed it was just going to be like a joke, and he was going to pretend to hit him or something, and then they were going to hug it out and laugh, and he swings at him, and for a second, I thought it was still a joke that he didn't connect, because it sounded like he hit the microphone, but when the audio went out, that was my first indication that this was this was not a joke and this was not scripted. Um, the audio was out for for quite a while on the live broadcast, and then it cut to Will Smith yelling, and you could read his mouth. Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And it cut back to Chris Rock. The sound came back in, and you could tell he was rattled. My reaction was to go, "What is?" going on and Lacey looked up and we were streaming it so I rewound it for her and we were both just baffled as I got on the internet I saw a lot of people reacting to it and pretty much everyone coming to the same conclusion to me that I don't think this was a bit then we got the footage from other countries that didn't didn't uh, silence the audio and you could hear the rest of it, and it was pretty apparent that this was this was real. I've been thinking about it since last night. I've talked to friends, and I I just I really don't know what to say. Um, I, you know, I don't. I'm not really one to pay attention to celebrity gossip, celebrity drama. Just it's not something that interests me. But I hear things, you know, as I traverse you know, the zeitgeist of society. You hear little tidbits about couples and people. So I know something had happened between Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith earlier in the year, something to do with an open relationship and possible adultery. Uh, I've caught up a little bit after, after what happened last night. And um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like whatever's brewing in their family, uh, boiled over in some disassociative way towards Chris Rock. Joke wasn't nice, but I don't think it was meant mean-spirited. 
I don't know if he knew Jada Pickett Smith has alopecia. I didn't know that. I don't know how many people knew that. Um, but also earlier in the night, uh, one of the hosts, you know, Regina Hall made a made a joke at the expense of their their open relationship situation from earlier in the year, and they both laughed at that. So I don't know why the hair thing was so off limits, but I don't know, man. I I uh, I don't think Will's a bad person, and I don't think that. Uh, uh, this action is indicative of him being bad holistically. Uh, I think Will's going through some stuff. He's been living in superstar land for a long time, and now he's got to deal with some actual human emotions and real-world relationship stuff, and I don't know if he knows what to do with that. Uh, and I'm, I mean, I look, I'm talking out of my ass. My girlfriend's the mental health professional, and she's been on the show before, and uh, to talk about that exact subject, so she would, she would know more than me, but... I don't know. What an odd, odd thing. And then he followed it up with such a bizarre Oscar speech trying to pull Richard Williams, the character he played, um, and how he was protective of his family. And Will was trying to compare that to him being protective of his family while also, for some reason, saying he had to protect the actresses on the set of King Richard, which I don't, I don't really know what that was about. You know, he was crying. He was emotional. He then apologized to the Academy and everyone in the audience except Chris Rock. We know now that during the commercial, the subsequent commercial break that Denzel Washington and Tyler Perry consoled him. And it looks like his publicist got with him, probably helping him to adjust his speech if he were to win. I don't really know what else to say about it. It was, it was just, it was a really odd thing. And listen, Chelsea and I have said before, and I, I think she'll let me speak for her, that we don't put a lot of stock into the Oscars. It's just fun. We love movies. I think movies are important because movies are art. Art is important. It's a strong influence in our lives. But the Oscars are just, you know, a fun thing to do at the end of the year, culminating all the hard work, all of these amazing people, not just the actors, the sound engineers, the editors, the directors, the costume designers, the set designers, everyone, all the hard work they put in. It's just fun to see who's going to win what. But can we have a little decorum? Uh, and, and I mean, that's putting it lightly for what happened last night. But uh, uh, man, it just seems like so many things in our life is going off the rails lately. And that we'll just add this to the list. I don't know what else to say. I guess we'll see, uh, see what happens uh, in the near future regarding this situation, Chris Rock's about to go on tour. I'm sure he's going to be very vocal about what happened. Um, damn shame Chelsea can be here to talk with me about this. But let's go ahead and talk about the ceremony. I just brought it up. You know, they're always trying to in increase the ratings, fix the show to make more people want to watch. A uh, lot of changes this year in terms of structure and... You know, they didn't really have a real host again this year. Last year, there was no hosts. This year, there was three hosts, but they weren't super involved, and they rotated. Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall. It's so odd to me that people like me and Chelsea that love movies, that's the audience for the Oscars. We're the people that want to watch it. Uh, and trying to increase the ratings by adding stuff to get not the average Oscar watcher to come watch. I just don't think it's working. I don't need, you know, all these bits and the musical numbers. I, I mean, 
It, that's hard for me to say because Lacey last night told me she likes the musical numbers. I don't think most of the musical numbers this year were very exciting or entertaining. Uh, I think they just take up a lot of time, which is something the Oscars are trying to cut back on. But they're just making decisions that for someone like me who wants to watch the Oscars, like, what are you doing? They took all of these uh, awards. Uh, there was a list of awards they took off the main show and didn't televise them. Documentary short, editing, and that's a huge Oscar to not televise. Makeup and hair, film score, another big one to not, to not uh, televise. Production design, animated short, short film, and sound. Now, if you want to cut a couple of those off, I can kind of understand because whether people want to admit it or not, the short films, the short documentaries, a lot of people don't watch those. Maybe they, they do. If you do televise, you hear about them off the Oscars, televised, maybe they'll go watch them. But I definitely think that those are someone, some categories that people don't care quite as much about. But editing, score, makeup and hair, production design, those are cool awards that people like me want to see. So why are you alienating your core audience to try to bring in new people that don't even care no matter what you do? The other thing I'm going to say is make it easier to watch. I had to jump through so many hoops to even watch the Oscars last night. ABC is a free state. Like if I got an antenna, I could pull ABC up. So why can't I just go to the website and watch it? I've got to watch the advertisements. You're going to get your ad revenue. You can count the streams from the, from the app, from the website. Why is this so difficult? Uh, I finally had to sign up for a free trial of YouTube TV, watch the Oscars, and then cancel YouTube TV. Why is it so hard? We don't have cable anymore. I don't have cable. More and more people are cutting cable every year. And you're still checking traditional ratings. And you're not making it accessible. Just stream it on YouTube with the ads. I mean, you're going to get the ad revenue. So I don't know what the Oscars are doing, but less junk. Just tell me who, who wins. I don't need musical numbers. I don't need bits. I don't need all this stuff. Let's just do the awards. I will say there was some stuff last night I really enjoyed. You know, they had the, the standard in memoriam of all the people that, in the film industry that died last year. And normally they play very somber music and they just have the pictures and the dates. Well, this time they started off with Tyler Perry coming out and speaking about Sidney Poitier. And then they had upbeat gospel music, which I really liked. We should celebrate these people's lives. We don't have to be sad and somber because they died. Let's celebrate what they did while they were here. And while the gospel music was playing, Bill Murray came out and spoke about Ivan Reitman when his picture came up. And then when Betty White's picture came up, Jamie Lee Curtis came out and spoke about Betty White fondly and had a puppy and talked about donating or uh, adopting animals. Uh, Betty White, very involved in animal rights. So that what a great way to pay tribute to her than to just play sad music and show her picture. And then I got on the internet and some people complained and, and thought it was disrespectful. Why? I swear, you people are just bitch about anything. I don't know why everybody's so outraged all the time. We don't have, like, you could take some stuff at the surface level. We don't need to overanalyze, you know, and, and over-scrutinize everything to find something to complain about. You can take some things at a surface level and just enjoy it. And I really like the In Memoriam this year. Uh, the James Bond tribute was, was pretty cool. I, I thought it was odd who, who introduced it. It was Tony Hawk, Kelly Slater, and uh, Sean White. Don't know what it has to do with James Bond. Uh, a really cool James Bond tribute. Francis Coppola, Al Pacino, and De Niro came out 
briefly to celebrate the uh, 50th anniversary of The Godfather. I really enjoyed that. And uh, to present Best Actor, Uma Thurman, Samuel Jackson, and John Travolta came out uh, with a little fun thing, you know, uh, referencing Pulp Fiction. And you know I love that. It's my favorite movie. Uh, so there was some cool stuff. There was some fun stuff that I enjoyed. But they have to find a way to continue to appeal to people like me. Do short, fun things like bring people out from my fa- our favorite movies. But don't do things like they had two categories that fans could vote on and they would play uh, the top five choices. And there were Oscars cheer moment, the moments that made you stand up and cheer, and the Oscar fan favorite movie. Well, what happens typically when you do an online poll, people just troll it. So the Oscar fan favorite was Army of the Dead, directed by Zack Snyder. And the Oscars cheer moment, well, it started okay. It was The Matrix dodging the bullets, a moment from Dreamgirls, which I found odd, but then it was the end of Endgame, Marvel Endgame, Avengers, the uh, the moment the three Spider-Men were working together in No Way Home, and then the Flash entering the Speed Force. Look, if you've been on the Twitter in the last 24 hours, you've seen all the jokes about the Speed Force. Two Zack Snyder moments won. Clearly, the fan base came out just to troll the Oscars. What were they thinking? It's not doing anyone any favors. Now we're just making fun of them, and it didn't help bring in any viewers. I will say there was 10.5 million more viewers than last year, but I think a lot of that was coming out of COVID. A lot of people didn't care for the, the movies from 2020 because so many good ones were pushed out. So I don't know. Time will tell if any of this stuff was the reason that the, uh, the ratings went up. Also, I don't know when people tuned in you know, after the slap versus before the slap. Uh, so uh, maybe we'll get some more data about that later. Uh, I do want to talk about a few things before we get into the categories. Dune cleaned up. Six wins for Dune. Um, and well-deserved. The movie really was magnificent, down to the last detail. Uh, don't know why Denny Villeneuve was not nominated for director. It makes zero sense. I was pissed about it when the nominations came out. And watching the success Dune had last night uh, just really drove it home. And all the technical awards that Dune won, uh, the winners would make it a point to praise Denny uh, for his work directing the film. And I think that was on purpose because he should have been nominated and they were pointing that out. Nothing for Green Knight. I really don't know what to say about that. Green Knight was, you know, I can understand why maybe the story wasn't for everyone, but what a really impressively made film and just not a single nomination. Uh, and one thing else I was happy about, uh, Come On, Come On got nominated for nothing. I, I just didn't care for that movie very much, but a lot of people did, and I was afraid it was going to get a bunch of nominations, and I was glad to see that it didn't. But that was a personal thing for me. If you enjoyed Come On, Come On, that's totally fine. If it made you happy, I'm happy for you. So let's go ahead and... Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to take a break, and we'll be right back, and we'll start the uh, nominations. All right, and I'm back. So the first one I just want to bring up real quick, uh, Riz Ahmed won Best Live Action Short. That was one of the ones that wasn't televised. And I just wanted to touch on that because I do think Riz Ahmed is a, is a talented guy, um, nominated last year for Sound of Metal. Uh, I think he, he like wrote, produced, and acted in this short. So glad, glad for him. Um, but let's jump into some, some of the bigger categories. So animated film. 
Now, I said this last year on our Oscars episode. I don't have any kids, so <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't watch a lot of the animated films unless somebody really makes it a point to tell me uh, some to watch. But I did watch several this year, and uh, Encanto won. And uh, I saw Encanto recently, and it it really was quite good. And I gotta say, animation has come a long way. There were so many movements in that movie that it just looked like a real person, and the way clothes flowed when movement and uh, it's it's all very distinct now. Uh, I really like that. But Encanto was great, and Disney's been doing a really good job in recent years of doing stories that don't necessarily have a villain and that there can be conflicts somewhere else that people have to overcome. Uh, and in Canto, there it's, it's family dynamics, which is something we can all empathize with. On top of the music being re- really good, it was beautiful to look at, uh, funny in parts. I, I, I thought it was really good. I know people are aggravated because Disney seems to win every year. Uh, I think it's won nine out of the last 10 years, excluding uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And I get it. And and there's definitely other really good animated films. We have Leica Studios here, the Claymation uh, studio. You know, I, I really liked Coraline, Kubo and the Two Strings, The Missing Link. Uh, Coraline and Missing, or uh, excuse me, uh no, all, yeah, all three of those films were nominated for, for Best Animated Feature. None of them won. I really liked Kubo. This year in particular, there was a foreign animated film called Flea uh, that people were really speaking highly of. I also know I heard a lot of praise about uh, The Mitchells versus The Machines, uh, So, which was not a Disney movie. But Disney won again. It was actually nominated for three films. Encanto won. Luca, which I did see and did not think it was Pixar's best effort. I, I was a little bored with it, and I, I see why it went straight to Disney+. Plus. Uh, Flea, Raya and the Last Dragon, which was also a Disney movie, and then Mitchell's versus the Machines. Um, Disney will probably continue to dominate as long as they have high-profile animated movies. I don't know what to say. Uh, let's jump to international film. So Drive My Car 1. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, it is on HBO Max. It is a three-hour Japanese film. Uh, it's really quite beautiful. It, it, the story is a little complex. Uh, you really have to pay attention. There's some interesting themes, though. But the dynamics of human interaction um, and the way certain relationships can build and the limits we can push ourselves to to uh, connect with another person uh, was really, really good in this movie. It is long, and it's not going to be for everyone, but I do understand why, why it won Best International Film. I do want to make the case, however, for the worst person in the world. I really love this movie. I've never watched anything quite like it. And particularly in the second half, was very visceral on an emotional level for me. There were parts of the movie that I identified with and things that happened to people in the movie that I identified with. Really great film. I understand why Drive My Car won, and I really don't have a problem with it because I think Drive My Car is an an outstanding film. Uh, But I think on a personal level, the worst person in the world, it would have really made me happy if that movie had won. Uh, The other choices were Flea uh, and The Hand of God and Lunana. But I think it absolutely came down to Drive My Car, worst person in the world, 
no shock there. One of those movies was was definitely going to win. But if you haven't seen The Worst Person in the World, it's a Norwegian film about a young woman who is going through some things personally, It, but it's subtle, and how that affects the relationships in her life. It's, it's really good. Um, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere yet, but you can rent it. Uh, but I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Visual effects, Dune won. I just well-deserved. It was up against No Time to Die, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Shang-Chi, and uh, Free Guy. Uh, so three of those, I believe, are under the Disney umbrella. Uh, no Time to Die was great, but this was a no-brainer. Dune is incredible. I mean, I've already praised it enough on this episode, right? But the visual effects, everything about the way Dune looked, I just couldn't take my eyes off it when I saw it in IMAX. Um, and then I saw it at home as well. So it doesn't matter the size of the screen. It's just visually stunning. When Chelsea and I reviewed it on this show, I said I thought it was one of the greatest cinematic achievements of all time, and I stand by that. Um, case in point, it won sound and production design. Production design... I was definitely on the fence with that and Nightmare Alley. I would not have had a problem with Nightmare Alley one because it, it looked really cool, but there was no way Dune was going to win with these giant set pieces, you know, the intricate details of buildings and um, the desert scenery and the way the machines look, the vehicles. There's no way Dune wasn't going to win. It just looked unbelievable. Original song. This is not particularly one of my favorite categories. I feel like it takes up a lot of time. This is not the Grammys. You know what I mean? I don't mind them giving an award for it, but I think it should be an early award. It should be one that's not televised. I think most people who are interested in movies and want to watch the Oscars don't care about these live performances. Um, Billie Eilish and her brother won for the No Time to Die theme, which I was shocked. I got to tell you, I was not expecting that. Two Encanto songs were nominated. Uh, one being the We Don't Talk About Bruno, which is, I'd heard the title of that song before I ever heard the song. Uh, everybody was talking about it. Uh, Reba McIntyre, <laughs> uh, who she's great, nominated for a relatively unknown movie called Four Good Days, starring Glenn Close and Mina Kunis. Um, and then Beyonce was nominated for a song she did for King Richard. Uh And then Van Morrison was nominated for a song he wrote for Belfast, but he was not there because as much as I love Van Morrison's music, he is a bit of a kook. But Billie Eilish won. And let this be a lesson to you musicians out there. If you want to win an Oscar, write a song for a James Bond film because the last three James Bond movies won Best Original Song. Billie Eilish won for this one. Sam Smith won for Spectre. And I I actually thought that was a bad call. Uh, And then, of course, Adele won for Skyfall, which was well-deserved. That song's incredible. Really kind of an inconsequential award for the show, but congratulations to Billie Eilish. Uh, Score, movie score, a personal favorite of mine as as an intense music lover. Uh, This was one of the categories they they didn't televise. But to my my happiness, Hans Zimmer won. I knew he was going to win. It's only his second win, uh, which I have voiced my displeasure about on this show before. Uh, He was the clear, clear winner, though. I would have also been fine with, well, I don't want to say been fine with it, but Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, who's been doing a lot of movie scores for Paul Thomas Anderson and is also branching out. He did three, actually four scores last year 
for Zola, um, Power of the Dog, which he was nominated for. Uh, he did some minor work in Licorice Pizza. That was mostly a soundtrack. And uh, Spencer, uh, the Princess Diana movie. I actually really liked the Spencer score and wish it was also nominated, uh, maybe in place of something else. But nobody was beating Hans. If you haven't looked at the YouTube videos or read any articles about this score yet, he literally invented musical instruments to create this score. And I mean, he's just, he's one of the three or four greatest composers we've had in cinema history. He won his first one in 94, or excuse me, 95 for The Lion King. Hasn't won one since. I would argue he should have won for Gladiator that year and went to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He should have also won for the Interstellar score, which might be the best score he ever wrote. Uh, and he lost to the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I just, I cannot, I cannot abide by. Uh, I also love the Inception score, but that was the year he lost to the social network. And uh, I, I, can't, uh, I can't argue with that at all. Hans, I'm so, so excited you won a second one. Well-deserved. Editing. Um, Dune won. I was a little surprised by this, but it, it is deserved. Um, the way the editing really set the tone for certain scenes uh, added a layer of sinisterness uh, when the villains were on, on screen, uh, a sense of heightened uh, excitement or um, concern in certain perilous scenes. The editing was really quite good. Uh, definitely thought Power of the Dog was going to win this. Uh, and I think it would have been completely justified. Uh, the other nominees were King Richard, Tick, Tick, Boom, and Don't Look Up. I would have liked to seen Red Rocket or Pig nominated, I think, I think for this. Or Worst Person in the World, which was edited very, very well. She's jumping around from past and present. In one scene, she has a... Uh, a psychedelic trip where she sings. I mean, the editing in Worst Person in the World was the way it jumped around the different scenes perfectly. And it's also, the movie takes place in 12 chapters with a prologue and an epilogue. And it, the movie's broken up by those 14 sections. So it should have been nominated for editing, but really happy Dune won uh, one of its many, many wins. Jumping to cinematography, another one of my personal favorite categories, and look who won again, Dune. Super well-deserved. Again, I've already talked about what a stunning movie this was to look at. The shots, the way they would cut from a close-up of somebody to a, a wide-centered shot of them in the desert. Uh, the cinematography of really showing the scale of some of the ships coming in during the attack scene. Uh, the way the Baron moved around. Absolutely. And in fact, when Chelsea and I did our year in review, we almost picked all the nominees for Dune or for cinematography. We said Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy Macbeth. Um, but then we said The Green Knight. West Side Story was nominated, The Green Knight wasn't. If anything, I don't know why Green Knight wasn't nominated for cinematography. It's a stunning film to look at. It's absolutely one of the most beautiful movies I've, I've ever viewed. I would have really liked to see Green Knight in place of West Side Story, but I don't think anybody was going to beat Dune. Another well-deserved win for Dune. Adapted screenplay. Coda wins its first Oscar of the night. Coda was uh, based off of a foreign film uh, and 
remade for American cinema. Uh, it was up against Drive My Car, Dune, Power of the Dog, Lost Daughter. Definitely thought this was going to be one for Power of the Dog. Um, looking at it now, in hindsight, I, I, it's not su- that surprising that Coda won, but in the moment, I was a little surprised. Um, I don't know that this was a particularly strong category this year, so I suppose it was up for, for grabs. Um, thought Lost Daughter might have had a chance, too. But moving on to original screenplay, which I thought had a, a much better lineup than adapted. Uh, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, Belfast, Worst Person in the World, and Don't Look Up. And to mine and a lot of people's astonishment, Belfast won. I think a lot of people are also not happy about that, uh, which I understand. I understand why Belfast is not a movie that the general audiences see the big deal. I don't think that Belfast is a mon- monumental achievement on the part of Kenneth Branagh, but I thought it was a, a good, well-made movie. There's something to be said about the screenplay because this is a very personal story for Kenneth Branagh. Um, at this point, he's a middle-aged man going back to his child, his inner child, and what life was like for him at that age. Um, in his hometown at a very tumultuous time when there's a lot of violence and anger and terrible things are happening. And he really opened up a part of himself and, and gave that to us. So there's something to be said for that. Definitely thought Licorice Pizza was going to, this was going to be its one win. A super interesting screenplay with interesting dialogue. I also really would have liked to see The Worst Person in the World win because it's a really really good screenplay with a really interesting story. I, I see some merits for Belfast winning, but do I think it should have beat one of those other two movies? No. I, I just, I can't stand by that at all. Um, happy for Kenneth Branagh. Um, he's, he's a very talented person and he's been instrumental in making um, important films and being in important films throughout his career. I liked Belfast. I understand why he was nominated for a lot, but this was, uh, this was an interesting win. All right, I'm going to take another quick break and come back with the, uh, the big categories. And welcome back. So let's jump into Best Director. No surprise, Jane Campion won. She won every award for directing Power of the Dog at every ceremony that she possibly could. I don't think anyone was surprised. Uh, second year in a row for a w- woman director, and only the third ever um, after... Chloe Zhao and Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker. I, I No surprise why she won. I mean, this movie really got elevated uh, because of her. You know, what she was able to bring out of the actors, the way she was able to move the story along, the way she was able to portray all the characters, the way she was able to... Um, depict the farm and what that life was like back then. You know, the two brothers struggling with one wants to live in the past, one trying to be move into modernity. I I just, she, she did a magnificent job. She's been in the industry a long time. Uh, Won other awards for other films, highly respected. And uh, I'm I'm really quite happy for her. Uh, She beat uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, of course, for licorice pizza uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, 
And again, I just want to point out, no Denis Villeneuve for Dune. I just, I don't understand it. The, the film was won six Academy Awards, was up for Best Picture, and you don't nominate the man who made it all possible. I don't know another director who would have directed the film uh, in such an incredible way. Um, there's a lot of chatter about maybe the Dune sequel will be very much like a Lord of the Rings situation where he'll finally get his recognition uh, as the story ends. And I, I'm hopeful that will be true. But congratulations to Jane Campion. Supporting actor, again, no surprise, uh, Troy Kotsurf uh, won uh, for The Father in Coda. Uh, so only the second deaf actor ever to win an Oscar after Marley Matlin, who played his wife in Coda. Um, you know, he and Coda really started to come up the ranks in these award shows just in the last couple of months. Uh, it was kind of like I had never heard of the film, and then poof, it was here, and it was starting to get a lot of buzz. I don't think this was a particularly strong year for supporting actors, so and that's not to take away from the job that he did. Uh, I think he was really quite good in Coda, and I understand why he won. Um, but it, it just it was not a very strong supporting year. Troy beat... Uh, Syrian Hines uh, in Belfast, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Spink-McPhee for uh, Power of the Dog. Uh, Don't really know why J.K. Simmons was in there. And to be perfectly honest with you, the three nominated actors for Being the Ricardos, I don't really know why they were nominated. I'll get to the other two in a minute, but J.K. Simmons is great. Who doesn't love J.K. Simmons? Won an Oscar for Whiplash, has been in many... Uh, TV shows and movies playing characters we really enjoyed him in. He came out with the cast of Juno for its anniversary with Allison Janney and Elliot Page. But I just don't know that anything anyone did in that movie was exceptional. Um, But again, it was a weak year. I don't know who I'd replace him with. Uh, Say what you want. I thought Jared Leto was really good in House of Gucci. Uh, Also, I'd say Ben Affleck in um, The Last Duel had a much more interesting character that he portrayed than, than J.K. Simmons. Uh, I would also consider Alex Wolf for Pig. But again, I don't think anybody was going to beat Troy Coetzer. So uh, congratulations to him. And in very much the same vein, supporting actress Ariana DeBose won for West Side Story. And look, anytime somebody puts out an impressive performance in a musical, I'm not a musical person, but I know how hard that is. It's, I mean, it's got to be difficult you got to sing well, dance well, and act well. And when somebody knocks it out of the park, it's got to be recognized. And, you know, she was cleaning up everywhere she went. So congratulations to her. She beat Ingenue Ellis for King Richard, who I thought was just really magnificent. She stuck out to me. I don't know that I've seen her in anything else, but I said in an earlier episode, I thought she was really, really good. Uh, Kirsten Dunst for uh, Power of the Dog, Judy Dench for Belfast, and Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter. Let me tell you something. Uh, I just adore Jesse Buckley. I think she is very, very special. And I, I've only seen her in a handful of movies, but she just really is impressive. Uh, I'm super looking forward to what she has coming out this year. She has a, a horror thriller movie coming out called Men. Um, she's supposed to be in a movie with Frances McDormand called Women Talking. Uh, if you haven't seen her in I'm Thinking of Ending Things, that movie is really odd, and until the movie ends, you don't understand what is going on. It's like a fever dream, but it's worth watching f- for her, and 
Jesse Plemons is in it. Tony Collette's in it. So there's really good actors in it. But that's the first thing I saw her in. She's in The Lost Daughter, and she is really something special. And I'm I'm really looking forward to what else she does. Would have loved it if she won. I know she had no chance, but I'm happy to see she was nominated. I'm happy to see she's getting attention because she's an incredible actor. Um, if I don't really know why Judy Dench was in there, I know she's like a legend, uh, and she was fine in Belfast, but she's not in it very much. And it's like they nominated her just because she's Judy Dench. Um, and I thought about it. Who would I want to see in her place? I think Rebecca Ferguson from Dune, who was the one person in Dune out of all that talent, all these actors and actresses I already liked. She just really stuck out to me when I saw the film. And I'm not sure I've seen her in much else either, but I would have liked to see her nominated over Judy Dench, although nobody was going to beat Ariana DeBose. Very expected win. Best Actress. Now, I think there was some hurt feelings here for certain fan bases. Um, Jessica Chastain won for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and I was happy with that. I've been pretty vocal about... I'm not a big fan of people finally winning Oscars for biopics or playing, uh, uh, portraying a real person in some way. And there were a lot of nominees for people playing uh, in biopics um, this year in two wins. This was one of them. That being said, I only watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye just to see her performance. The movie is fine. It's fine. It's, it's you know, I, I'm aware. I remember Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker growing up um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, the story is fine. It's, it's okay. She's incredible. I was just, she absolutely floored me. Um, well-deserved win. Uh, first of all, I love Jessica Chastain. Third nomination. She's great in everything she does. I, she's made some odd movie choices in recent years. So I'm hoping this gets her back on track, but really happy she won. She's really, really good in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, she gets so lost in the character. You just little things she does. She has the Tammy Faye laugh down, and she would just throw it in at the right parts. Um, I'm really, really happy for her. Uh, she beats uh, Nicole Kidman for uh, playing Lucille Ball, Olivia Coleman for Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. I will say about Nicole Kidman, the one thing I liked about her performance, uh, she really nailed. Lucy's actual talking voice, like not not her on-screen voice, her regular speaking voice. Nicole Kidman really nailed it. But as has been said, both her and Javier Bardem, they do they give good acting performances. They're bad casting choices. They never feel like Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. The whole movie, you're like, I'm looking at Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. It it's not even their fault. It's just bad casting choices. If they were playing a fictional married couple, I think the movie would have been more enjoyable. Uh, but I cannot go any further without saying Jessica Chastain also beat Kristen Stewart for playing Princess Diana and Spencer. Now, this was a point of contention with a lot of people who've been clamoring for Kristen Stewart to win this award for this movie all year long. Um, and I just have to say, I don't agree. Now, I don't think she did a bad job. I think she did a perfectly fine job. And actually, I kind of liked Spencer. I... A great title, by the way. Uh, I liked what the movie was going for. I kind of liked this creepy woman trapped in the house vibe that was going on. I liked the idea. I thought the movie was cool. And I thought Kristen Stewart was perfectly fine. But I thought it was less about a really great acting performance and more about this was just a really good casting choice. 
the role very clearly called for someone who could be stoic and seem uncomfortable all the time. Well, that's kind of her bag to the point where she's been overly criticized about looking like she's uncomfortable all the time. That's just her thing. And she's really, really good at it. And this is what the role called for. She didn't feel like Princess Diana, but she did exactly what the role called for. And it's what she does best. And that's great. I'm glad she got uh, paired up with such a perfect casting choice for her. But that doesn't mean it was a performance of a lifetime or something. Uh, Kristen Stewart, you know, I'm glad both her and Robert Pattinson have gotten away from the awful aura of the Twilight series, and I hope that they continue to have a strong career. Um, Robert Pattinson's taking off with, of course, Batman, but, you know, The Lighthouse and Good Times, and Spencer seems like a good um, avenue for her to go down, and let's see if she can get some more interesting roles because of it, but Jessica Chastain deserved happy for her. That brings us to Best Actor. As we've already alluded to, Will Smith won. Um, I said earlier this year, talking to Chelsea, that I thought Will Smith was good in King Richard. Uh, There's certainly scenes where he just smile or look a certain way and you're like, ah, it's Will Smith. Um, But there were also scenes where he got really lost in the character. You know, I always enjoy Will Smith just like everyone else. But sometimes I wonder, is it, do we all love Will Smith because he's charming and he's fun and we just like seeing him be in movies? But does that mean he's really an exceptional actor? This is his third nomination. I will say one of his nominations was for The Pursuit of Happiness, which he's really good in. Uh, but oftentimes I just feel like it's like Will Smith in a movie and that's what we want to see. I, I understand why he won this award, and I don't have a problem with it. I think Benedict Cumberbatch gave the better performance, and most of the year I, I thought he was going to win until award season started and Will Smith was cleaning up, and I said, well, Benedict has no chance now. On a personal level, I really wanted Denzel to win. <laughs> I just think Denzel is just, he's one of the, the greatest of all time. He's the best actor the last 30 years he should have more than two Oscars. And he'd kind of done everything up to this point. And now he's done Shakespeare, and he was really good in it. Shakespeare's hard. It's hard to do. Um, But instead, we gave an Oscar to another person for a biopic. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Will Smith, I mean, enjoy your Oscar. I'm not saying you didn't deserve it. You were very good in King King Richard. Definitely think it should have gone to Cumberbatch or Denzel. Uh, But here we are, and what am I going to do? So that, um, oh, I will say, though, I already mentioned, uh, so Will Smith beat Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Denzel for Tragedy Macbeth, and Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. I already mentioned, don't think anybody from that movie should have been nominated, so let's take Javier out. And I definitely would have replaced him with Nicolas Cage from Pig, who I thought had an outside chance of being nominated, or Simon Rex from Red Rocket, who I actually kind of think was going to be nominated when I left the theater. Uh, Both of them were really outstanding um, actors, or uh, I should say gave outstanding acting performances, uh, and certainly deserved to be there more than Javier Bardem. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised Red Rocket was just completely ignored. And so was Pig, just completely ignored at the Oscars. 
but being the Ricardos wasn't, and it's just it's just a damn shame. Well, that brings us to best movie, and bit of a shocker. I I think that we all thought Power of the Dog was going to run away with this. We were hearing about Power of the Dog over the summer at the movie festivals, and how everyone was saying you can just package it up now. It's over. This movie's going to win Best Picture come Oscar time. And it was doing very well throughout the, the award season uh, until the last award show before the Oscars, Coda won. And everybody went, uh-oh, maybe Coda's got a chance. And Coda won. I should not have been surprised, but I was surprised. I thought Power of the Dog probably should have won. Actually, Power of the Dog, say what you want about the story, really well-made film, thought it probably should have won. Personally, I would have liked Dune to win. I think every tiny detail, front to back of Dune, the actor performances, every, like the score, like we've already talked, everything it's already won. Sound, set design, costumes, all of it. I, I mean, how can a movie be recognized for every little detail in it and not win Best Picture? Just my opinion. Uh, but I thought Powder Dog probably should have won. But I'm in a bit of a pickle here because a year ago on our Oscars episode, I I made a plea to critics and audiences that to be more accepting of positive movies, of just feel-good movies. We talked about how the last year in the Oscars, everything was a downer. All the movies that were up for Best Picture were downers, and they were the best pictures of that year, but that means only downer movies are getting funding. Only downer movies are being considered to be made. And my recommendation for that episode was The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, not an amazing film, but I felt so good walking away from it. And I pointed out it was in the 50s on Rotten Tomatoes. And I said, what do these critics want? Why does everything have to be a downer? Why can't we like feel-good movies? Well, now i got to kind of suck it up because a feel-good movie won Best Picture. Coda wasn't amazing, but it was nice. It was nice. Nothing traumatic happens. All the characters were likable, and everything worked out in the end. And you're really happy for everyone in the end. And you kind of choke up at the end. But I didn't want it to win Best Picture, so what does that mean? (laughs) I don't know what to do. I'm conflicted. I have to take my own advice, I guess. I just don't think it was an achievement like some of these other films. And Power of the Dog was a downer. And a shocker. And Coda was not. Coda was uplifting. Um, I don't know. I can't, I guess I have to say I don't have a problem with it. I just don't think it should have won. Uh, it beat, of course, Dune and Power of the Dog, as I said, Belfast, Don't Look Up, don't know what that's about, Drive My Car, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. So congratulations, Dakota. And that was the 2022 Oscars. Um, controversy aside, had some problems, but had some things I liked. And uh, as I said to Chelsea earlier this year, um, I thought 2021 was a really good year for movies. And I'm hoping that 2022 uh, has more in store for us. Uh, you know, we've already had a few good movies come out this year. Of course, most notably The Batman. Um, but I'm excited to see what this year has in store for us. And with that being said, I'm going to end the show with my recommendation. And I'm going to say 2022 is fresh. I just watched this movie recently after all the the chatter around it on Hulu. Um, like most people who've discussed Fresh on podcasts and in articles, I'm not going to say much about it 
I don't want to give anything away. You really just got to watch it. It's a, it's a commentary on, on a low level, it's a commentary on online dating. And on a higher level, it's commentary on online dating and how women are, are viewed. I, that's, I really like, it's more elaborate than that, but I don't want to say anything else. Uh, I just want you to watch the movie. Um, I think it's categorized under horror or thriller. Uh, I think it's less of a horror and more of like, um, think seven Silence of the Lambs type thriller uh, with some humor thrown in. Sebastian Stan's in it uh, and with uh, a, lot of, a lot of new faces I've never seen. So Fresh, uh, I give it a two on our one, two, three scale. Uh, get to it when you have time. It is on Hulu and I think it's Hulu produced. So I don't think it's going anywhere. So that's going to do it for this solo episode. I hope you think I did all right. I miss Chelsea. I, I, I need her here. I need to bounce stuff off of her. Uh, but she will be back soon. I'm in correspondence with her regularly. We've got some plans for May, uh, but for the rest of April, or for coming up in April, I will tell you that I have a Godfather 50th anniversary episode recorded and ready to go. I just need to finish editing it, but I'm going to get that out late this week. Um, we've also, I have some plans for the rest of April. Got another, you know, got guests coming back on. Uh, so we can get some content episodes out. And there's just a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Uh, but Chelsea and I are already planning some stuff for May. So hopefully she's going to be back soon. Uh, like I said, she's got big stuff going on. And that's, I just have to be understanding and patient with that. So you can follow us on Twitter, the Marquee Spot LT. And you can follow us on Instagram at the Marquee Spotlight. Uh, you can also contact us, the Marquee Spotlight at gmail.com to tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, what you want to hear us talk about. And if you're enjoying the show, please like, share, leave a review, tell someone you know, or do whatever you want. You're an adult. So for the Marquee Spotlight, I'm Spencer Bailey. For Chelsea Burnett saying, we'll see you. Thanks for listening. The Marquee Spotlight is recorded in Portland with music composed and produced by Josh Colopy and cover art created by Taylor Ingle. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on new episodes. And if you like the show, please write a review and share with others.